0: It's, it's interesting where inspiration and divine providence can come from. There was a great line on a tag of a Traeger barbecue product I bought once, and this is what it said. Good barbecue comes from experience, and experience comes from bad barbecue. I like that. Now, my wife, Sarah, had to convince me not to have like a six-week series on barbecue. So this, this is the compromise that you're experiencing. <laughs> Nobody starts off an expert in anything. Right, if you want to get good at barbecue, you're gonna to have to make some bad barbecue and figure out what you're doing for a little while. You know, during the new year, there's a lot of talk about new starts. And and so often we're afraid that we'll fail, and so we never start. So that's what we're celebrating with this series. It's a start. The series we're gonna celebrate, even a small start. What are we missing out on in life because we never start? Years ago when our daughter was young, she had to wear a helmet to correct a condition that she had, her skull shape. And this helmet actually ended up coming in handy a few times. I was taking my daughter and our son to preschool one day, and I got Betsy, our daughter, all buckled into her carrier and then needed to help Aaron with something. And so I set the carrier on top of our kitchen counter and turned to to mess with Aaron, something he needed, and in that split second, let's go ahead and kill the photo here so I can display my, my angst. And in the split second from when I turned to help Aaron, Betsy rocked forward in her carrier, boom, fell off onto the ground. Car- the carrier, the whole thing, she was buckled in. Uh, it, was, it was terrible. I was beside myself. I was terrified that my negligence had uh, injured my daughter. Uh, it turns out this is why experts recommend to never put your kid in a counter. On the, on the carrier, right? To leave the carrier on the ground. Sound advice. Uh, so I take her down to Children's Mercy to the emergency room. She ended up being fine. But then a second wave of terror came over me. Because I realized I'd have to tell my wife what I had done. Right? When have you had a pit in your stomach because you knew you had to ask someone forgiveness? Now, it's an interesting position to be in. Right? Giving giving a sermon on forgiveness, because what, what, you know, for research, what am I going to put out there on Facebook? Hey, tell me this terrible thing you did and had to ask forgiveness for, right? Or, or as your pastor, you know, what, what am I going to display uh, that's, that's appropriate? Forgiveness is a very pertinent topic. Maybe we've done something we've regretted. Maybe the thing we need to ask forgiveness for is something we didn't do something we should have done but didn't. Maybe it was an intentional thing we did, maybe it was unintentional. When we have done something wrong, we often have two emotional responses, guilt or shame. And there's a subtle difference. Guilt is a feeling of responsibility or remorse for something we've done to someone else. We feel guilty about the thing we've done. Shame is the painful feeling about our appearance to others or ourselves. We're ashamed of how we feel about ourselves or about how others view us. That brings the feeling of shame. So in my example of Topsy Turvy Betsy, who I dropped, I felt guilty for putting her in the carrier on the counter. I felt shame when I realized at the children's hospital that these folks may think that I am an abusive parent. There's a subtle difference. So what do we do with our guilt and our shame? I think a lot of times we would rather just avoid asking forgiveness because it brings all that up again. A lot of times we would rather just avoid it. Well, do you want another year of doing that again? I don't. So, how can we start to resolve it? There's times in our lives where we have to seek forgiveness from God or from others. And, friends, making things right starts with saying, I was wrong. In our scripture today, we're going to see an episode in Jesus' life that offers us good news about seeking forgiveness. Zacchaeus was one of the most hated people in town, and Jesus comes for a visit, and he has this amazing encounter with the Savior. So our scripture today is going to come from one of the biographies of Jesus, the book of Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 and 2. That's where we'll start. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. During the Re- Revolutionary War in the colonial America, there was a major general by the name of Benedict Arnold. He was in the Continental Army. He, he fought bravely and had a great reputation as a warrior, but he grew bitter at Congress and, and the people in charge uh, for their lack of not paying him. So he actually plotted with the British to surrender West Point, which was where he was stationed in command. Now, the Americans actually caught wind of the scheme and discovered Arnold's plot, and Benedict Arnold defected to the British side. This is what's on Benedict Arnold's first paragraph of his Wikipedia page. Arnold's name quickly became a byword in the United States for treason and betrayal because he led the british army in battle against the very men whom he had once commanded now what you want to have in your in your in how people remember you american history has a special disdain for traitors and so did jesus people in the time of the first century as a tax collector zacchaeus would have worked for rome and he would have been seen as a traitor he would have been ostracized for funding the enemy Zacchaeus collected taxes from his own people, and then the way tax collectors made their living, their salary, was whatever they could swindle people out of on top of that. So when we read that Zacchaeus was a wealthy tax collector, we can assume that he was good at his job and therefore would have been even more hated. And so Zacchaeus, one of the most hated guys in town, hears about Jesus coming around. Verse 3, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, interesting detail, since Jesus was coming that way. Now, if you're old school, like I am, you'll remember the little song some of us learned growing up, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he, help me out. Okay, there we go. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. So if you've ever thought to yourself, God can't possibly forgive me with all the things that I've done, this is good news for you and for me. Because Zacchaeus hadn't made just one bad decision. Right? He this this was a lifetime, a whole career of bad decisions being a tax collector. And yet, Jesus doesn't give Zacchaeus a lecture. He gives him an invitation. And a pretty forward one, isn't it? Zacchaeus, I'm coming over to your house. Whatever Zacchaeus had done before was not a condition for Jesus to love him. We can't lose sight of that. And for Jesus to want to stay at Zacchaeus' house is, was, was a very significant endorsement socially. Right? Like, We've, we've got, had a lot of things that changed since the first century. People really haven't changed that much. Because just like in middle school, who you eat with conveys kind of social approval. And it was the same with Jesus. For Jesus to go and stay and dine with Zacchaeus would have been an endorsement. And one that Zacchaeus rare, rarely received. And this is an endorsement for which Jesus was criticized in verse 7. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. So we get another indication of how Zacchaeus was viewed and despised as a traitor. It was the company that Jesus kept that helped get him crucified. Jesus was routinely criticized for who he decided to spend time with and endorse and love and show approval to. Jesus' endorsement has brought about a change of heart, in Zacchaeus and a change in action. This is Zacchaeus' response. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And so Zacchaeus shows a change of heart. He clearly knew that what he did was wrong. He clearly was sorry, but Jesus, excuse me, Zacchaeus went further than that. Zacchaeus, un- unprovoked by Jesus, unsolicited, volunteers to give half his possessions to the poor and then promises to pay back anything he stole and then some. Stephanie Buchanan Crowder said this, Zacchaeus' desire to pay the poor shows his willingness to cleanse himself of any Roman monetary dirt. I like that. Zacchaeus has moved beyond guilt and shame to making reparations and demonstrating repentance, right? He wants to seek reconciliation with this community that has despised him. Jewish law would have required Zacchaeus to pay back whatever he stole plus 20%. This is from Leviticus 6.5. Anything else about which you had sworn falsely, you shall repay the principal amount and shall add one-fifth to it. You shall pay its owner when you realize your guilt." So here we see Zacchaeus is going beyond what's required of him by his his society or the Jewish law at the time. He's not just going to pay back 20% on top of what he stole from people. He's going to pay back four times, 400% what he stole. Zacchaeus was trying to demonstrate to Jesus and his community that he wanted a new start, that he wanted to make things right, and that he wants to be forgiven. And Jesus says that's exactly what's happened. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. The good news for us is that God is in the business of forgiveness. And this was at the heart of Jesus' mission, to seek and save the lost. When Jesus calls Zacchaeus the son of Abraham, he's saying he's one of us. When Jesus says, this man too is the son of Abraham, it's like Jesus is saying, he's with me. And so if you're feeling lost or, or beyond forgiveness, then you and I are in good company with Zacchaeus. Making things right starts with I was wrong. 1 John 1.19 tells us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Over and over, the scriptures tell us that we can be forgiven, Psalm 103.12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. A famous phrase goes, Only God can judge me. That may be true, but we need forgiveness from God as well as others. And according to Jesus, these things are connected. Our relationships with others reflect our relationship with God. According to Jesus, the two are connected. This is from Matthew 5. So, Jesus says, when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come offer your gift. I think sometimes it may actually be easier to to ask God for forgiveness in a prayer, privately, like in your own mind, in a setting like this during a, a worship service because we can be confident of God's forgiveness. Well, when it comes to asking forgiveness from people, it can be a little more complex, can't it? So how can we follow what what Jesus says and seek to be reconciled with people that we've wronged? How can we make a start of seeking forgiveness from people? Making things right starts with I was wrong. So the first thing we can do is to show remorse. I think it would be hard to reconcile with somebody who didn't think they did anything wrong. So, people need to know that we are remorseful, that we regret what we did, and we wish we could do it differently. And for a lot of folks, this can be a big step. Just knowing that the other person regrets what they did can open the door to reconciliation. And now, when we show remorse, we need to replace the word if with the word that. You know what I mean? Not, I'm sorry if I hurt you. No, no, no. I'm sorry that I hurt you. Those, that little word swap makes a huge difference. All the if stuff is like, I'm sorry if my actions randomly made a consequence that upset you, as if it's not your fault. No, I'm sorry that I hurt you is a way to say that we're remorseful. And after we show remorse, we can make reparations. Well, how do we make things Right. Like, what it have been as impressive is that if Zacchaeus would have come down from that tree and said, you know what, guys, I'm really sorry. Like, would that have made it in, would that have made the cut in the book of Luke? I'm not sure. No, it was because he went beyond remorse and, and tried to make reparations. He tried to repair what he had done wrong, right? So how can we make right what harm we've caused? Now, in this, in this episode from the Bible, it's actually quantifiable what harm was caused, in, in a way. Right? Zacchaeus collected taxes and cheated people out of money. There was a specific monetary vo, uh, amount that can be calculated. Well, how do you calculate emotional damage? Uh, it's, it's, it's not quite as easy. When it's more emotive damage we have caused, repairing that may take more time. Right, like if you've damaged someone's property, you can repair it or replace it. Or like Zacchaeus, you can pay back what you're owed or what the other person is owed. But emotional wounds are much harder to quantify. But we need to try and make reparations. And what that means is ultimately when we seek forgiveness, we need to demonstrate repentance. To repent means to turn around, to go a different route. Now, what we don't know is after this, whether Zacchaeus went back to being a tax collector we don't know if he followed through on his promise. And I think kind of the open ending of our scripture today is representative of real life. Because when we're in the middle of a situation, we don't, we don't know how it's going to turn out. I think a lot of times true repentance only takes place over time. It's only after a long period of time that true repentance can be demonstrated to repent means to turn away from sin, to go in a new direction. Zacchaeus didn't just feel bad, he had a change of heart that led to a change in action. And a lot of times, our change in action can only be reflected as time goes on. Chuck Colson was an attorney and special counsel for President Richard Nixon. Colson was known as Nixon's hatchet man. He was found guilty of obstruction of justice in the Watergate scandal in the 1970s. Having become a Christian in 1973, Colson in 1974 served seven months in prison. And after he emerged, he started Prison Fellowship and Prison Fellowship International, a ministry that seeks to restore—this is from their website— Prison Fellowship seeks to restore those affected by crime and incarceration by introducing prisoners, victims, and their families to a new hope available through Jesus Christ. Prison Fellowship works with wardens and staff and volunteers and men and women serving time in prison to prepare prisoners to return to their communities as good neighbors. Each month, over 11,300 chapters Host over 26,000 prisoners in prison fellowship classes. Coulson has authored over 30 books and in 2008 was given the Citizen's Medal by President Bush. If we remain in our guilt and our shame, we'll never know the freedom God offers through his radical grace on the other side. Imagine if Colson would have never started and would have just held on to his guilt and shame. Friends, who knows what amazing things God might have for us on the other side of forgiveness. Making things right starts with I was wrong. And saying those words may not fix everything immediately, but at least it's a start. And everybody said, amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the grace that you offer us an eternal, everlasting, unlimited supply of grace and forgiveness. We know that your word tells us that your mercies are new each and every morning. And so today we admit that we have fallen short of your glorious standard. That whether through things we've done or things we've left undone, we have disobeyed your perfect will for us. And so we come to you as a part of worship, seeking your forgiveness. God, we know that we need you, and we thank you for your irresistible and unlimited grace. God, in this moment, we also ask that you would impress upon us how we can leave worship more merciful more gracious than we came. And that as you take away our guilt and our shame, that you would also help empower us by your Holy Spirit to reconcile with those that we have wronged in this life. God, call to mind the people that we have wronged. And how can we start this new year by starting the path to reconciliation. God, we don't want to be people who come and worship and feel cleansed of guilt by you and not have that reflected in our in our real relationships in real time. Help us to be people who are quick to not only ask for but to offer forgiveness. And may our relationships reflect the grace that you give us as we seek the grace and forgiveness of those that we have wronged. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.